Section 20 of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 14 Pontificate of Victor III. Election of Urban II. Revolt of Henry's son Conrad. The Councils of Piacenza and Clermont. Proclamation of the First Crusade reception of urban the second at rome ten eighty six to ninety six the gregorian party was much divided in opinion respecting the best course of action to be taken after the death of their leader some held that the welfare of the church depended upon adhering closely to his policy others that the cause of reform itself would be imperilled by insisting rigidly upon it rome was in the hands of the imperialists and it was not till the spring of the year after the death of gregory the anti-pope having retired to ravenna for a time that the cardinals protected by cencius frangipani ventured to meet in rome anselm of lucca one of gregory's nominees for the papacy was dead otto of ostia was on the point of being elected but some objections being raised there was a sudden burst of feeling in favour of desiderius abbot of monte cassino he was forcibly seized and proclaimed pope on whitsunday may twenty fourth ten eighty six with the title of victor the third desiderius was a man of rank ability and conciliatory disposition and he had the good will of the normans but he was an old man deeply attached to his monastery and he shrank from grappling with the disorders in rome four days after his election being yet unconsecrated he quitted the city put off his papal robes at terracina and retired to monte cassino in the ensuing lent stung by the reproaches of the more severe gregorians who accused him of complicity with the imperialists he returned to rome conducted by jordan of capua and under the protection of his troops was consecrated in st peter's the countess matilda had succeeded in occupying the trastavering quarter with her troops but after a fierce struggle the imperialists got possession of st peter's sick in body and weary of strife victor again retreated to monte cassino his last public act was to hold a synod at benevento in august where the decrees against simony and lay investiture were promulgated on the third day after his return to monte cassino he died and was buried in the abbey which he loved so well when victor died rome was in the hands of the vibertians and six months elapsed before it could be decided where the election of a new pope should take place at last terracina was selected a large number of cardinals and bishops assembled there on march eighth in person or by proxy and the romans were represented by their prefect a three days fast was kept and on march twelfth ten eighty eight the election was held when there was a vast preponderance of votes for otto of ostia otto was a frenchman who had been trained at cluny and had all the qualities most characteristic of that school ascetic piety and zeal for the reformation of the church combined with considerable worldly wisdom and tact in common with most of the cluniacs he sympathized with the principles and aims of gregory 
but disapproved of the vehemence with which he attempted to enforce them otto was consecrated at terracina a few days after his election taking the title of urban the second his first act was to dispatch letters to the countess matilda and to his friends in germany and gaul informing them of his election and of his intention to walk in the footsteps of gregory what he rejected i reject what he condemned i condemned what he loved i will embrace to england where william the red had just succeeded his father he sent a special messenger with a friendly letter to lanfranc imploring him to exhort the king to support the roman church in her distress and to be punctual in the payment of peter's pence lanfranc however regarded the strife for the papal throne with seeming indifference and would not commit the church of england to a decision in favour of either claimant the election of urban nearly coincided with several valiant and successful efforts to force back the tide of mohammedan conquest roger had driven the arabs out of sicily the pisans had vanquished their piratical fleet alfonso the sixth of castile had won great victories over them in spain and all these champions of the faith espoused the side of urban matilda also was again dominant in north italy nevertheless the party of the anti-pope kept a firm hold upon rome and after two or three attempts to dislodge his rival and a brief and precarious residence on the island in the tiber urban abandoned the city in ten ninety and for the next three years sojourned chiefly in norman territory holding his synods in benevento but although shut out from the capital it was in italy that urban found the chief resources for carrying on his contest with the emperor henry's most powerful adversary was welf duke of bavaria whose son a youth of eighteen had lately married the countess matilda her motive in contracting this strange alliance was to secure the aid of the welfs for the pope their hope was to gain possession of her vast inheritance not knowing that she had already devoted it to the papacy henry saw that his principal aim must be to crush the united forces of matilda and the welfs about the end of the year ten eighty seven he sent his son conrad into lombardy who was so successful in defeating the troops commanded by matilda's husband that in ten eighty nine she concluded a truce which was to last till easter ten ninety near the end of march henry himself set out for italy and arrived at verona on april tenth on the issue of his contest with the great countess depended not only his own position in germany but the future of italy and the papacy if matilda and the welfs were overthrown all lombardy would lie at the mercy of the conqueror clement the anti-pope would be securely established in rome and urban would be either entirely confined to the south of the peninsula or would have to seek refuge in france the emperor reached mantua the capital of matilda's dominions without a check but here he encountered a stout and stubborn resistance for eleven months mantua defied the besiegers and it was only through treachery that it fell at last on april tenth ten ninety one henry spent easter there gathered a court around him and gradually reduced 
all the castles of matilda north of the po save piedena and nogara she retreated to her strongholds in the apennines and from them protected as well as she could the districts of reggio and modena the prospect became a very gloomy one for urban even amongst the normans his position was precarious his friend jordan of capua had just died and his death was followed by a revolt of the capuans against his son richard in germany also the imperial fortunes seemed to be thriving even Welf began to think of making terms henry spent christmas in mantua and remained there keeping the truce of god until whitsuntide ten ninety two in june he set to work again to subdue the castles of matilda who was reduced to great straits she held a conference of bishops and abbots some of them advised surrender but the hermit john of canossa fiercely denounced any peace with henry compromise with the oppressor of the church would be sin against the holy ghost the judgment of the holy man commended itself to the intrepid spirit of the countess and all thought of negotiation was abandoned henry now attacked the fortresses in the apennines and assailed canossa gladly would he have wiped out the memory of his humiliation there by a triumphant victory but it was not to be the garrison under cover of a dense mist in the early morning fell upon the imperial troops and captured a standard which was hung up as a precious trophy in the chapel of the castle baffled and vexed henry retired north of the po the partisans of matilda and the welfs were elated and a league to resist henry was formed between milan piacenza lodi and cremona the first act of the league was to occupy all the passes of the alps thus cutting off henry's communication with his friends in germany but a bitterer calamity than any which had yet befallen him was now impending his eldest son conrad a handsome youth of nineteen easy of disposition and affable in manners was a general favourite in germany and italy matilda and her friends conceived the project of setting up the son as king in italy against the father and conrad was weak enough to yield to the artful flattery of his tempters henry was keeping easter at pavia in ten ninety two when he received the terrible tidings of his son's revolt his life had been a perpetual struggle with adversities and he had faced them all bravely but now for the first time his fortitude gave way he fell into a state of profound dejection and was scarcely restrained by his friends from putting an end to his life he withdrew eastwards behind the adige into the friendly territory of the eppensteiner and there spent a long season of dreary helpless inactivity while town after town in lombardy declared for his unnatural son matilda and the paterines recovered their supremacy from the alps to the tiber conrad was crowned by the archbishop of milan first at monza and afterwards at milan in the church of st ambrose in november urban came back to rome the anti-pope was with henry and regarded their cause as so utterly lost that he offered to abdicate but to this henry would not consent and now one more calamity was to be added to the load of misery already piled upon the emperor's head his fond and faithful wife berta had died in ten eighty seven 
a year later he had married praxedis the daughter of a russian duke and widow of henry count of the northern march the story of his relations with this second wife if not too obscure is too revolting to be investigated she had for some time been kept in close durance from which she now contrived to escape and seeking refuge with matilda poured into her ear a tale of wrongs accusing her husband of forcing her to lead a life of odious vice the new deborah says matilda's biographer perceived that the lord had sold caesarea into the hands of a woman the horrible charges were diligently circulated with the most disastrous effects upon henry's reputation in germany and italy in the summer of ten ninety four urban left rome for tuscany from pisa where he spent several months he issued citations to a great synod to be held at piacenza in the following lent early in february ten ninety five he crossed the apennines and joined the great countess who conducted him with an immense pomp to piacenza so vast was the multitude which came to the synod thirty thousand laity and four thousand clergy chiefly from italy and gaul that it could not be contained in any church and the assembly was held in the plain outside the city the old ordinances against simony and clerical marriage were renewed by the synod the eucharistic question which had slumbered for some time was revived and the doctrine of berengar was again condemned but these matters were the least important business of the synod the empress appeared and did not shrink from repeating in public the foul and revolting tales which she had told matilda and other friends in private no attempt seems to have been made to test the truth of her statements a thrill of indignation and disgust convulsed the audience and henry was condemned unheard and undefended not less momentous was the appearance of the ambassadors sent by the eastern emperor alexius appealing for help to defend his dominions against the seljuk turks urban like gregory cherished the hope of reuniting the two branches of the catholic church under the supremacy of the roman see the call of gregory to the faithful had fallen upon dull and unheeding ears but he had not enjoyed urban's opportunity of advocating the cause in the face of a vast congregation the eloquent exhortations of urban seconded by the presence of the ambassadors kindled a glow of enthusiasm and in the acclamations which followed the conclusion of his speech we hear the prelude of that mighty shout which was soon to herald the birth of the first crusade urban remained in piacenza to the beginning of april and then proceeded to cremona where he was received with great show of reverence by conrad the rebel against his own father figured as the obedient son of the church humbly held the bridle of the pope's mule as he entered the town and took an oath to defend the person of the pope and the property of the sea the pope in his turn promised to aid conrad to win and keep his kingdom and to crown him emperor when he should visit rome saving always the rights of the church and especially those touching investiture the subjection of conrad to the papal party was completed by his betrothal to the infant daughter of count roger of sicily the revolt of his son and the accusations of his wife had shattered henry's power in italy from lombardy to apulia the authority of urban was unquestionably dominant but the most signal display of his power was to be made in the land of his birth 
after paying a visit to milan where he was received with enthusiasm he set forth for burgundy on august first ten ninety five he crossed the alps on the fifth he was in valence and on the fifteenth at puy and velay here summonses were issued for a great council to be held at clermont in auvergne on november eighteenth ten ninety five and the interval was spent in making a progress through burgundy consecrating churches arbitrating in disputes and dispensing privileges at cluny he was naturally received with peculiar honour and here on october twenty fifth he consecrated the high altar of the great church which was still in course of building the day appointed for the council arrived the diligence with which the citations had been circulated the reputation of the pope and the expectation that he would repeat the call to the faithful to take up arms against the infidel brought together an extraordinary multitude thirteen archbishops eighty bishops and ninety abbots attended the crowd of clergy monks and laymen was countless yet it could not fairly be called a general council for there were no representative men from germany and only one from england the first seven days were occupied in reiterating the old decrees against simony clerical marriage in forbidding investiture by laymen and in framing definite rules for observing the truce of god a custom which now received the formal sanction of the church philip i was excommunicated for his adulterous connection with bertrada wife of count folk of anjou but was not deposed nor were his subjects absolved from their allegiance but even the excommunication of the king of france seemed a matter of small importance compared with the great act which was reserved for the conclusion of the session on november twenty sixth ten ninety five the ninth day after the opening of the council in a broad space beneath the open sky for no building could contain the vast concourse the pope in a torrent of passionate eloquence called upon the faithful to come to the rescue of their suffering brethren in the east and to deliver from the profane hands of the infidel the land which was sanctified by the life the labours the death and resurrection of the divine saviour of men it is the will of god it is the will of god was the answer which burst in one tremendous shout from the enraptured multitude such was the birth of the first crusade it is one of the most astonishing examples of the effect of a single speech uttered by the right man at the right moment men had long believed in a peculiar blessing to be gained from visiting the holy places in the east the preaching of peter the hermit of picardy and the tales which he had told of the cruel sufferings of christians at the hands of the infidel had lately kindled in thousands of hearts a burning desire to avenge their wrongs and save the most sacred land in the world from desecration the speech of urban blew the flame of enthusiasm into a blaze and being uttered by the vicar of st peter it seemed to come with the force of a command from heaven it is not easy for us to realize the reckless and prodigal zeal with which men flung themselves into the crusading movement but it was an age in which the childlike eagerness simplicity and directness with which men pursued their ends continually excite our wonder and often compel our admiration they were carried along with little forethought or reflection on the tide of some bounding emotion which conducted them sometimes no doubt into fearful disasters 
which more prudent men would have avoided but sometimes also to triumphs which more prudent men would neither have attempted nor achieved but what was the effect of this proclamation of the crusade upon the existing relations between the pope and the emperor when the spiritual head of the roman empire proclaimed a war for the defence of the faith it was the natural duty of the emperor as the temporal head to lead the hosts of christendom upon the enterprise but henry was disqualified by excommunication and this inability tended of course to lower him still more in the eyes of the world and so far to weaken him in his contest with the pope thus the same event which raised the pope to the pinnacle of glory dragged the emperor down to a lower level than he had ever reached before it may have been some consolation to him that the part which he should have played could not be taken by the other chief sovereigns of europe philip of france although he broke off his adulterous connection and was absolved still lay under the cloud of the church's censure the king of england william the red was disqualified from any religious undertaking by his profane indifference to all religion the kings of spain were occupied with their own crusade urban spent christmas at limoges early in the following year ten ninety six he visited poitiers angers le mans and tours where he held his lenten synod in the summer he made a progress amongst the southern towns bordeaux toulouse carcassonne and nimes where another synod was held crowds assembled wherever he went and the fire of enthusiasm for the crusade spread with wild rapidity through all burgundy and france in september he returned to italy in november he went with the countess matilda to lucca where he met a body of crusaders under robert of normandy stephen of blois and robert of flanders on their way to winter in apulia urban committed a consecrated banner to stephen of blois and dismissed the warriors with his blessing at last he approached rome the partisans of the anti-pope seemed to have been completely overawed urban was welcomed by a procession of citizens and all rome except the castle of st angelo now submitted to him End of section twenty